2: Adam Ferrara is an American actor and comedian known for playing the roles of Chief Needle's Nelson on Rescue Me, Sergeant Frank Virelli opposite Edie Falco on Nurse Jackie. He was a co-host on the U.S. version of Top Gear. And his current stand-up special is called It's Scary in Here. It's available for you free on YouTube. Adam's new podcast is a big hit and available everywhere.
1: Sounds like it could be funny.
2: Sounds to me like 30 minutes you'll never get back.
1: so glad you're here you know why well i'll tell you why it's showtime and we have another great show for you this week yes we do my guest in the add interview is the first comic to ever reach the finals on america's got talent and his name is tom cotter and we want to welcome everyone from our talk to me tuesday family that's our conversation we have every week nine o'clock eastern 6 p.m pacific go to my website click the link and join our conversation this all happens on a tuesday night i hope you can make it And our superfan shout-out is for Casey. Say hi to Casey, everybody. Hello, Casey. Hey, Casey. How you doing? And Casey, if Phil was here, he would say... It's all going to shit. (laughs) 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 That's approximately what he would say. Sorry. (laughs) Phil's in a cranky mood. Well, I'll, t- I'll tell you what. Phil, first of all, thank you guys so much for leaving reviews of the podcast. We ask you every week because it really does help. And they're really, really funny. Somebody named Phil Captain Misery.
2: Somebody named?
1: Yeah. I think it might have been Nikki from uh, Talk to Me Tuesday. She's she's, uh, she's she's part of the family we see every Thursday night. and uh, Every Tuesday. Yeah. It, it actually caught on. So he sent me this voice text.
3: I did a show last night. Afterwards, a fan comes up to me and says, hey, Captain Misery. And I go... What? He goes, Captain Misery from the podcast. I was like, oh, really? This is like the 10th person that's referred to me as Captain Misery. This is the way I'm being perceived by the audience?
1: So th- that's what he said.
4: <laughs> At least he takes that news pretty well. He handles that and she takes it right in stride. Well, you that's know, good. Phil,
1: it's hard to rattle him. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, <Phil. laughs> yeah, I sent him back this. I don't understand it either, Phil. I mean, how could anybody think you're miserable? You sound so calm and well-adjusted, <laughs> which I'm
4: sure he loved hearing.
1: <laughs> oh yeah, that that only got got the rattling louder. He's like a he, he's like he's like a giant king cobra now, of misery. Yeah, of misery. Of misery. He's a king cobra of misery. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, well, I'm gonna tell
3: you something. It's your fault, <laughs> asshole.
1: Okay. Say. Because
3: you what? get under my skin, you do stuff, and you make me yell at you. And so, because I'm yelling at you, and I'm angry at that, everybody thinks I'm Captain Misery now. This, this is my label. Now, this is how I'm labeled. Everywhere I go, everywhere I go.
1: Everywhere he goes, Every, I can't, I can't leave the house. <laughs> so he's blaming you. Yeah, I can't leave the house. He's, he's got like a, a cape and a scowl. That's how he can, travels through life. He's Captain Misery. <laughs> Why are these people all calling me this?
4: I don't know. Is this something with the tone of your voice? Maybe. I, Could I
2: don't be. Know. What do you always say? What? You can't control what other people do or say, but you can control how you react.
1: How you react to it, yeah.
2: He apparently did not get that
1: memo. He reacts by yelling. That's his reaction. He's miserable. <laughs> Case closed. Yeah, this is my fault. You smashed your iPhone against the wall, you got yourself banned from a dry cleaner's, and you pissed off the bug. Yeah. Remember when you pissed off the bug?
2: I sure do. <laughs> that was not funny at the time.
1: <laughs> yeah. Hold on. Uh, can I a question from the crowd here? Y- yes. The chair recognizes the little man from Washington D.C. Yes. <laughs> Thank you. Who's who or what is the bug? Okay, we were shooting a movie in uh, Long Island. Long Island. And, Long Island. Yes, and there was a a little motel where they this, this little independent movie we did where they put everybody up. Right. Mm -hmm. So I was talking to the director and the script needed work. And he goes, what do you think? I said, well, my buddy's a screenwriter. And I called Phil and uh, I said, you know, I could bring him in for a price. And Phil already starts. I need this amount of money. I go, you need a root canal because your teeth are in pain.
2: Didn't he also need a fence?
1: (laughs) Yeah, he needed a fence. He needed a tooth and a fence in his backyard (laughs) because because he he got his dog kept running away. I go, you need a tooth and a fence. What are you doing? Stop (laughs) it. Support system. It's
4: yeah, like, it's, it's, we
1: have no cash for you,
4: but we do have a fence, and I can probably get you two. No, hey, he one. made some
1: money to get the paint out of his mouth and his dog in his yard. Is that too much to ask? <laughs> right, right. Okay, the the Academy won't be reviewing this for consideration, okay? So I flew the glamour. The yeah. glamour of movie making. So he agreed to do it. He agrees to do it, right? So <laughs> so he flies up, right? And he's staying in my room. And uh, there was a the, the lady that ran the motel in the front office. There was a coffee maker. So he went in and poured himself coffee the first day he got there. He got up the next day and he went to get coffee. And there was a guy there, an older guy, and he's pouring the coffee. And the guy goes, can I help you? And Phil B. And Phil goes, yeah, you want to pour my coffee? He's like, do I want a what? <laughs> <laughs> and the guy snapped and Phil went white. And he came out to, I was in the parking lot on the phone. He came out to goes. Hey, man, is this place kind of, you know, connected? I went, yeah. He goes, oh, God. I'm like, what did you do? <laughs> he goes, I think I pissed off the guy that owns it. Now, this guy throws us out where the movie shot, right? So I called I call my brother because my brother knows a couple of things. Knows a couple, few people and a couple of things. So a couple I said, of things. I said, listen, right. we're staying at this motel. Who, who's running this? He starts laughing. He goes, ah, that's the bug. I said, oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> I go Phil pissed him off he goes Phil pissed off the bug yeah I go hey he's theoretically he's harmless theoretically my brother tells me <laughs> <laughs> so right this is where I, I went I went up to the casting director I go where was that gorgeous girl that got out of the car the other day she goes she's up in her room she's not working today I go I said, send her down tell her to talk to the old guy why I said well the new writer might have ruffled his feathers I need her to smooth things over because if he throws us out we're dead right so they go up to you yeah
2: they said, "Hey, do you mind walking into the office and kind of saying hello to the daughter? That was his daughter, mm-hmm. and the, the father, yeah. Mr. Bug,
1: Mr. B- Mr. Bug, yes. <laughs> Mr. yes, Mr. Bug."
2: And I said, "What?" They said, "Just do it. Just go in there and you know see how they're Let's doing."
1: Do it, yeah. And the lady knew Alex from Days of Our Lives or something. Yeah,
2: so I just did a Days of Our Lives, and she saw me and recognized me. So she, that was one of her favorite shows. So I was kind of in.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So she she had to sit down. Plus, I liked the, her. Yeah, she had to sit down with the bug and eat a bologna sandwich.
2: Yeah, she, so she goes, "Oh, we're just having lunch," and the dad's like, "Yeah, yeah, here, I have an extra sandwich." Yeah. So we all sat down eating bologna sandwiches. Breaking
1: bed because because Phil
2: pissed off the bug. Yeah.
4: Right, smoothing it over. Wow, it's a good, that's a good thing to have in your in your back pocket, Alex. I need you to go in there,
1: just charm charm the hell out. <laughs> go in there, guys. charm the hell out of him. Do whatever you got to do. <laughs>
2: Mark, I should have known then. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> Warning sign.
4: Warning. Yeah. yeah.
2: Yeah.
1: But she did a great job. She calmed the bug down. I did. Yeah. She. You. You know what you did? What? You defeated Captain Misery. <laughs> right. Yeah.
4: All right, well, that clears up the Mr. Bug situation. Uh-huh. What the hell was the iPhone against the wall? What,
1: uh, what happened there? I, he updated his phone and nothing was working, so he threw it against the wall. <laughs> I don't think that's how you troubleshoot. Yeah, that's not the first thing. Did you turn it on? Did you turn it off? I threw it against the wall. Does that work? So he— <laughs> He called me. He said he goes because he goes, dude, I just threw my phone against the wall. I go, What are you talking about? I'm talking on a busted phone. <laughs> so <laughs> Oh man. And I think oh. the, what did he say? he got banned from and then he got yelled at at the dry cleaners. They banned him. Banned him from a dry cleaners. Yeah, the lady banned him from a dry cleaners. Cuz they a- he needed he needed a jacket for a wedding or something and they they sent it out and it wasn't back in time and he flipped out. So so, but here's the thing. He does all this stuff, and then he's in denial about it. Captain Misery and everything.
3: Those were all isolated incidents, and you know what? It's up for debate whether or not I was at fault. Okay, so Captain Misery is completely unjustified.
2: Say, he, Yeah. He's in complete denial. Yeah. Complete yeah. denial. Yeah.
4: I mean, I, I'm just being read into these, but it sounded like he was the one that offended Mr. Bug. Yeah. It sounded, or I'm sorry. Is it the Bug or Mr. Bug? I don't want to piss him off. How does
1: he like to be referred to? Uh, eh, let's let's leave it alone. I don't. I don't want to. I don't want <laughs> to call and ask. Let's hope he doesn't the, listen. <laughs> he's the one throwing it
4: uh, the phone against the wall. Yeah, he's the one getting kicked out of the band from the the dry cleaner. Yeah, mm-hmm.
1: take some responsibility, buddy. He God. doesn't. Yeah. yeah, I agree. I'll be honest with you. I I want Phil to be happy, but as far as Captain Misery as a moniker goes, I, I think he earned it. Well, in all fairness, Adam, I think you might have helped him a little bit with that name. Oh, sure. Take his side. <laughs> what? what? You're always the innocent. Pure is the driven side All right. You know what? I, I wish I could say no, Stern, but fair enough. <laughs> but I will tell you, my intentions are pure. My intentions are to entertain others. So how's that? All right. It's a selfless act on my part. I'm laughing to see if it works for the audience.
2: Oh, so nothing about entertaining yourself.
1: That's just a byproduct. <laughs> <laughs> That's just an added bonus. Yeah. It's not the true purpose. We yeah. all don't know how we're perceived by others, but Tom Cotter did nothing to be confused with the Arkansas senator or a car guy named Tom Cotter, the barn fine <laughs> hunter. But yet that is what happens to him. And he's a very funny guy, and I enjoyed catching up with him. So you guys listen to this, and we will see you on the other side.
2: As you think about the people in your life, they each have a certain characteristic, a certain energy, a vibration, an emotional tone to them. What's the message that you're sharing with the world?
3: Hey, Captain Misery, this is how I'm labeled. Everywhere I go, everywhere I go.
5: The Adam Ferrara
0: Podcast. This is 30 Minutes You'll Never Get Back. Don't put the bags here, the dog peed.
1: I got some stand updates for you. Yes, I do. November 25th through the 27th, I will be at the Tempe Improv in Tempe, Arizona. And just added, New Year's Eve, I will be at the Suncoast Casino in Las Vegas. New Year's in Vegas, baby. Come out and see me. There's a link for tickets in the show notes, or you can go to my website and click the link there. And as always, if you can make any of these dates, please come up after the show and let me shake your hand because I want to thank you for all the love and support you've shown me and this podcast. And you know what's coming. You know. Go on.
3: Get out of here.
0: Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, That's A-N-G-I dot com. Pay
3: attention when I'm talking to you,
0: boy. ADHD, it's not just for kids.
3: Nice boy, but doesn't listen to a word you say.
1: Welcome to the ADD interview. It's not that you're not interesting. It's just that I can't focus. And my guest this week is... Oh, look, a bird. My guest this week is the first comedian to ever reach the finals on America's Got Talent. You've heard him on the Howard Stern Show, you've seen him on Last Comic Standing, and he is not the barn fine hunter. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, it's my pal, Tom Cotter. How are you, my friend? I'm well. I'm a little hurt that you had the other Tom
5: Cotter on before me, but I'll get over that one day.
1: Well, that's, yeah, that's, okay, so Tom Cotter, for those of you uh, familiar with the show, Tom Cotter is also the name of the barn fine hunter who runs around finding old cars and barns, and I had him on the show. And uh, I think uh, you got a lot of notifications that you're on Adam Farr's podcast and it wasn't you. You know what? It's worse though, is uh, Tom
5: Cotton is the uh, Senator from Arkansas.
1: Mm-hmm.
5: I get his uh, hate mail
1: yeah. every
5: day. I got one again today. And, <laughs> so, and I'm like, I'm a comedian. I, I, I don't, you, know, you just typed in the wrong at, it's at Tom Cotter comic you have for me, it's me. I didn't do anything. I'm not a Senator no one elected me. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so I'll, I'll, I'm, it's a badge of honor to be confused with uh, the other Tom Cotter. He's a great guy; he knows all about uh, the Hemi and the uh, the barn. I think is one of his books. He's got a lot. Of- <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's great. So yeah. uh, I'm a fan of his. So I understand why you chose
1: him over me. But no, I, I didn't choose him over you. It just it just happened to that 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 came in first. That's all. Whatever. I'm Whatever. Well, I I will tell you this. Tom Carter, the Bonfine Hunter, couldn't do stand up like you, my friend. First comic yeah. to reach the finals on America's Got Talent. And I, rem- I remember watching it and I was like, look at you. Yeah, you well, know. I was the top human finisher my year. I like to tell people because <laughs> your listeners
5: may know, I lost to a dog act. And when you come in second to a dog act, you do feel like number two. I will share that. With you. That was devastating. People think I hate animals, which is not true. They're delicious, but uh, I'm (laughs) I'm licking my wounds, much like a dog can lick itself. I'll get over it one day.
1: Oh, that's funny. That's so funny. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, the thing, the thing I, what you did on the show was one of of the most ballsiest things I've ever seen, and I got to ask you about it. You put topics of your bit on a dice and you had Howie Mandel roll the dice and that's the set you were going to do.
5: Yeah, we did that uh, for, first for the quarterfinals. We did. We called it Comedy on Demand. The uh-huh. genesis of that idea was a giant jukebox. You know, the show is ridiculous. It's a huge stage. Right. And so every year, Howie and Howard would say, you got to bump it up next week. You got to, you know, lift your game up. Uh-huh. Well, what do you do if you're a stand-up? There's not else, there's something else you can do. My year, there was a guy who played a giant harp with the strings that, that went all the way across the, the theater. Right. And so... The first week it was just him and the harp. Second week he had a band with him. Third week he had singers in the band. Fourth week he had some chick flying around on a wire above the goddamn harp. And then he had the singers, the dancers, drummers. And so I'm like, what am I going to do? So I, tried, the idea was a giant jukebox that you know you pick your what you want to do. Mm. And so I had all summer to practice all those sets. I did. I put eight sets up on the board, eight topics on the board, mm. and then you only get two minutes on the show. So I just had to do two minutes for whatever they chose. And I chose Howie to pick a topic. He chose college and that's the way it went. And then for the finals, I did the dice thing that you just mentioned, which is Mm. the topics were on a dice through the die, die, dice, whatever it is. And uh, then we were off to the races. And um, a lot of my friends, I thought about that at the Nantucket comedy festival. And I was there with Corey Kahaney and some other people that you know very well. Mm. And, a lot of them said, don't do it. You know, Howard Stern's going to say that's gimmicky. He's going to throw you under the bus on national television. And mm. then other friends said, no, it's worth a shot. Try it. So I rolled the dice literally and, uh, it, it worked out. Okay. Although I still lost to a dog act. In- <laughs>
1: well, let me ask you. So did Howard think it was gimmicky?
5: No, he was actually pretty cool about it. And he thought that there might be something nefarious going on. He thought mm. that I might have, uh, colluded with howie so he actually asked me during the little tete-a-tete you have with the judges he said let's try a different topic mm-hmm. and he picked another one and i got to do a couple jokes from that which on that show is another 30 seconds of me getting my material out sure. which is godsend so mm-hmm. he actually helped me out by suspecting um that i was being uh, nefarious in some way right well that's great and 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 you, and you did this darn show so he obviously liked you yeah, he was a good guy. Howard always wanted a band or a comedian to win that show. And to this date, neither a band nor a comedian has ever won that show in 21 seasons. So he left. Uh, but <laughs> you know, they should call it America's Got Magic, because it's like a magician wins it every other year. Right. And the other thing about the show now is it's, it's a, you got to have a box of tissues when you wash it, uh, mm-hmm. because you're weeping the entire time. Carrie and I, my wife, call it uh, America's Got Problems. Because everybody's got cancer or they survived a plane crash. Uh, there's all that, you know, it's, it's some sob story with every single act that makes it to the finals. So unless you have some kind of uh, very sad story from your past, um, you're not going to make it to the finals on the show these days.
1: Yeah, it's always about the story. You know, it's not it's it's it's, it's like, you know, the biggest lose. It's not about the weight loss. It's about the story and what, what the weight did to you and how your life is different. It's always about the story.
5: Exactly. And so you only get two minutes to perform, but you get a five minute video package that plays before you perform. Mm. And then, you know, your little dialogue with the judges afterwards can move the needle a little bit too. But it was
1: great. That's not rehearsed the dialogue, right? That's just. No, they don't. Yeah.
5: In our year, they wouldn't let us. Like when Nick Canning came into the building with his posse, we had to like run into dressing rooms. We had to (laughs) avert our eyes. We weren't allowed to have any communication with them at all, except on live television when they were interviewing us. Uh, before and after our, our performances. Whereas now, I've seen the show in the last couple of years, they seem to have more dialogue, more backstage interaction with them, but they didn't do it. They didn't want the nepotism to rear its ugly head, so they mm. were worried about, uh, you know, people thinking that it was rigged.
1: Right. Well, you said uh, your wife, uh, Carrie Louise, she's a comic as well. She is. Yeah. And that dynamic is... Uh, I've always wanted... Look, my wife's not a comic. She married a comic. God bless her. She had no idea what she was getting into. Yeah. <laughs> you, two, you two must have known what you were getting into, and you still did it anyway.
5: Yeah. Foolish. You know, we took the road less traveled. As you know, most comics marry someone with a 401k or a dental plan or health insurance. And Someone's got to pay the bills. Someone has to. So, uh, yeah, we, uh, we rolled the dice there, too. We moved to New York together, unmarried, and... Mm. Uh, said what the hell let's throw caution to the wind and we've been married 21 years together 27 so uh she hasn't thrown me out yet and she's funnier than i she was on last comic standing Mm -hmm. uh, here i was and she went further than i did on that show and don't think for a second i don't hear about that at least once a week that comes (laughs) Uh, you know you didn't take the garbage out by the way i beat you on uh last comic standing (laughs) she throws me under the bus all the time but it's great you know, people think we laugh all the time in the house. Not no, true.
1: No. no. Oh, that's cool. with laughter. my wife. When people, like, when we're out somewhere, like, if, if she's got to go to red carpet of a show, I've done, like, he's so funny on set. You must, you must have such a great time at home. My wife just rolls her eyes and goes, oh, yeah, we laugh and laugh oh, and laugh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She knows. She yeah. knows the life behind the curtain. Well, that's what it is. I mean, my wife, look, God bless her. I mean, I had Billy Gardell on as I drop another. Oh, movie. he's great. Yeah, but you Correct. know him, and you know, and you know oh, what yeah, the yeah. life is. Yeah. And we were talking about you know the life, and we, we both even said, I don't know why they stay. I don't know why they stay. Yeah, and
5: Carrie doesn't know why she stays either. She's uh,
1: <laughs> she's brought that up a few times
5: too, uh, but it's great. You know, we're uh, we're never going to get divorced because frankly, neither one of us wants custody of the children. So we're in it for the long. And we're uh, we're just you know making lemonade out of lemons is what we're doing. Adam.
1: Well, you got you got you have three kids, right? Three that we know of. You're absolutely <laughs> right. Yeah. You got twins?
5: Mo, Larry, and Curly. We have twins that are now 21, and they are at uh, the University of Rhode Island. And we have a 15-year-old uh, because we thought we were done. We weren't, apparently. And, uh, so, uh, yeah, he's a sophomore in high school, and he will be uh, the tester of our patients for the remainder of our lives. He's the one who's pushing all our buttons, but he's uh. a good
1: Yes. Wow, the twins are 21. I, rem- I remember seeing your wife at the cellar, you know, when the yeah. twins were born. In the double stroller. Yeah, and, and, and will you switch with me? I got yeah, Of course, I have nothing. I have, I have to go listen to game tape after this. You have a life to, to tend to.
5: You actually uh, are in our, we had a little show on the Women's Entertainment Network, which, by the mm. way, was very emasculating, um, <laughs> called Too Funny, TWO Funny. Cotter and Louise, mm-hmm. and uh, you were you were in that uh, the Montreal Comedy Festival episode. You oh, I made was? A cut on that thing, and uh, thank you for being in that. You we asked I think Carrie asked you to babysit one night, mm-hmm. and uh, you had a very snappy, funny answer to that. But that yeah. show was mercifully canceled after six episodes, and it was literally brought to you by Tampax. I swear that's the truth. <laughs> and so I was happy to see it go. But anyway, you were in it. So was, Geraldo, so was Greg Giraldo. So was God. Who else? Uh, Rich Foss was in it. Mm. Uh, a lot of guys were in it because um, they were all hanging around at that Montreal Comedy Festival that year.
1: Sure. Oh wow, God, that's so funny. <laughs> Merciful. Oh, canceled. But let me ask you: as being married to a comic, look, we're crazy. You know, we're. Good. Yeah. I mean, literally, this—the there, guy on stage is not the guy walking around the house. You know, and if you got two people that have that kind of crazy. How does that work? I mean, I know in my marriage, and I married my wife. My wife's an artist, too. She's a model and an artist and an actor. So I've come to learn is she's crazy. I know her crazy. She knows my crazy. And the the key is we can't be crazy at the same time. Yeah, and that's hard to get those schedules to jog like that. You're absolutely right. Yeah, I came home one day. She's crying, looking out the window over the sink. I go, what's the matter? She goes, the birds won't come back. I think Amazon sent us poison seed. I'm like, okay, obviously it's your turn. (laughs) <laughs> yeah how do, you, how do you respond to that i i don't know how to yeah i can't say oh no, know that. you
5: poisoned the seed, but yeah. uh anyway we <laughs> not know that
1: yeah so it's obviously um you know all right and the, and the dog's very upset about it too but it, it's obviously- really with that that's like a heckle because you know i lost to a dog act so you do you, your dog <laughs> come
5: and do that to get under my skin—that's very painful, Adam.
1: Oh God! It's not like you PTSD every time you start yeah, twitching. Like a
5: Vietnam flashback. Hearing that dog bark. Slowly. <laughs> hey, let tell. me ask you: Is she? She? You said she's an artist. She's a uh, you know a model and an actress, etc. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know how the pandemic handled you. Your show was still on, right? I mean, you were still doing stuff.
1: Yeah, I was doing. I did this. I started this podcast, and I started. Yeah. Like, you know, I I survived. You know, but it was I was driving. We were driving each other crazy. I mean, let me rephrase. I was driving her crazy. And she was tolerating it. That was the toughest for us.
5: If we survived the pandemic, which was basically a year and a half of unemployment with mm-hmm. this, just doing Zoom shows, yeah. uh, then I think that nothing can. Uh, we're a pretty immovable object right now. I think so far. Now watch next week; she'll hand me papers and serve me. But uh, <laughs> right now, I think it, because we were both unemployed and being both artists, as mm-hmm. it were, uh, you know that was a huge financial strain with two kids about to go to college and all the other things that life throws at you. So that was a really tough thing. And you, because you are a, kind of in that same boat. Yeah. Um, That she's in the arts as well. That that had to be because we were the first, we were non essential. They kept saying, You are non essential. My mother in law prefers the term useless, but either way, it's hurtful.
4: (laughs) But we couldn't work.
5: And we right. couldn't, anything with an audience was against the rules. So yeah. uh, that was, it was tough on all comics, but for married comedy, I asked Rich and Bonnie this too, and Al Charm and Bernadette Pauly. There are a few other comedy couples out there. And I said, how did you guys do it? I mean, we really, we, God, we tightened our belts so hard and we had to jump through hoops to get through that damn pandemic.
1: Yeah. Well, the, the thing I wanted to ask you is like, now that you, not only are you comics together and you go home together, but if you're working together on a show together, that's, you know, you got everything you got a lot of stuff writing on it. You want it to be right. You know, you, you you also have your game face on when you're on a set, especially on the new show. You know, as the show goes on a couple of years you know, people know who they are and, and, and you, 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 relax into it, but especially the first six episodes, you're really not you, you know, so, no. and you have to perform. So how did that work? I mean, was there, had to be a, a tremendously stressful process.
5: That whole thing was crazy. It was, you know, cause we were all over the place and we had the twins at the time were little. I mean, they were, you know, three years old. The, mm-hmm. That's how long ago this was. And they, uh, You know, we went we shot an episode in Montreal, one in Vegas, one in L.A., two in New York and one in the boonies of way upstate New York. Uh, And traveling with the kids was very difficult. And it was a reality show, but it wasn't really like we have a very funny thing happen. And then they'd say, oh, the lighting wasn't right or the sound wasn't right. Can you redo it? And Mm -hmm. we're like, well, is that really reality then if we're redoing the scene? Mm -hmm. And then another time I was just throwing Harry, one of my kids, up in the air and catching him like every dad does on the planet. And uh, they loved it when we shot it. And then and the editor said, yeah, we think people might think you're abusing your ch- kids. And so we have to cut that. I'm like, come on. Right. Our demographic was heavyset, middle-aged uh, women from like Omaha. That was you know, <laughs> that, <that's laughs> watching her show. And so that's not my demographic. So I was second fiddle on that, which was fine because it paid the bills a little bit. But uh, it, was, that, it was a challenge. To your point, yes, it was very challenging.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's marriage is hard enough. You know, And yeah. my, my parents worked together. My parents actually, they, they ran a business together. They did kitchens and bathrooms. My mother went back to school and got a design thing. So she would design then my father would design and build everything. So, and then I worked there. It was, it was, it was a nightmare the boss followed me home, you know? <laughs> wow. I can't see you telling tubs, selling tubs and sinks and stuff like that. Is that what you did? Neither could my father. <laughs> How long did you work there? I, on and off my whole life, you know, as a kid, you know, once I got my driver's license, I was running tools and and supplies back and forth, but he quickly found out that I couldn't run a job and I couldn't do anything. So I was a helper because I don't have the mechanic. I don't have the if then go to statement. It's like cars. I love cars, but I can't fix them. I just don't have that in me. That's not, I'm not hardwired that way either. But did he,
5: were they depressed when you weren't going to take over the business? Did they my hope father he was, work?
1: see, none of us went into the business. My brothers are both chefs and I'm a comic and an actor, you know, so he was like, hey, you know, the business is going to die with me. But it was a good business, you know, it was a good. But my they father. He paid the bills? Yeah. yeah we, 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 he gave us a great life, childhood, and it was great. And he got it from his father. His father was a plumber. And my father elevated a little bit and made it, you know, custom stuff in the house, but no one went into the business with him. So I think that kind of, I think it was a little sad that his, the legacy wasn't going to go on, but he was glad that we were happy, you know? Yeah, good. My, my
5: dad was a neurosurgeon, six kids in our family, not one of us went into the medical field at all. Not even, he had a pretty good practice. You know, there weren't a lot of neurosurgeons back, it was right after World War II, he started mm-hmm. it. and. Uh, he you know did pretty well he was a big fish in a small pond not one of us not one of the six kids went to medical school not one of us had any desire because he was never around we never saw the guy he was doing rounds late at night and doing surgery early in the morning and so uh, he came to one wrestling match my entire high school career he uh he missed a lot of things and so we all looked at that and said thank you for providing for us but uh I don't want to be an absentee dad like that, and so none of us did that. Let's be honest; it's it's not like he can show you the ropes, you know. (laughs) That's true. I I didn't have the aptitude. He won't even let me carve the Thanksgiving turkey. So, yeah, (laughs) way I was going to do neurosurgery.
1: Yeah. Well, to that point, it would is is that with the was there funny in the house growing up? I mean, because you had a what five brothers and sisters.
5: Uh, yeah so uh, three boys three girls were the Brady Bunch. I'm Bobby in that scenario because I'm the youngest and so yeah we uh we we laughed a fair amount for kind of a my mom was a wasp my dad was a Catholic but we you know we, my mom was very waspy and uh you know we weren't supposed to emote and yeah. uh we had to be uh on our best behavior all the time Sunday uh dinner was always a uh, the boys had to wear a jacket and tie, and my sisters had to put on dresses. And we Stop ate. The it. You had so a dress stuff. for
1: dinner in your own house. Yeah,
5: crazy. So you you kept your Sunday church clothes on and kept uh-huh. them on all day. So by the time you sat down to dinner, it was covered in grass stains and gravy and everything. <laughs> else. But as long as you were dressed up, she was cool with that. And yeah, we it was kind of uh, we found our laughs where we needed them, and we got through a lot of a lot of life's uh, curveballs with some laughter.
1: Okay, I've got to be honest
5: with you, Tom. Doesn't sound like a lot of laughs. No, it was a little uptight, but we found out, and I was the clown. You know, I would say outrageous things. And right mm-hmm. before my parents would send me my room or ground me, they would be giggling or my brothers and sisters would be howling. So I was like, wow, this is fun making people laugh. And then uh, that kind of started the the ball rolling in the unfortunate direction that it has gone. Uh, <laughs> my fledgling comedy career, but, uh, yeah, that's, uh, kind of what happens. I've never done an official study, but I think a lot of comedians are the youngest in their family because they need attention. Carrie, my wife is uh, like, you know, a dear friends of mine out to charm other people are, uh, you know, youngest in their family. And I just think that they, it's a kind of, the oldest is the most anal and the most driven and the youngest is the most off the rails kind of, uh, loose cannon kind of person and that's more of a comedian i think
1: yeah so so those are the five brothers and and anyone anyone else in the arts entertainment or is it just you
5: negative yeah everybody else is pretty uh kind of boring job my brother's a retired colonel i got a sister who's an elected official in massachusetts Mm. um hard lefty and uh so yeah that's the other thing we have Republicans, Democrats, we're all over the map too. We're kind of, but we're very tight. My dad passed last year, uh, which is not a sad thing, because he was ninety eight. It was great, great run. Um, run. But yeah, so uh, we uh, getting together for all that stuff was uh, obviously very sad and emotional. But at the same time, it was great because we all, when we do see each other and get together, we're all thick as thieves. We have a great time. We have a blast, and uh, it's nice to hang out with them.
1: What what did your dad say when he said, "I want to be a comic"? He, I kept it from him because, you know, he he (laughs) spent a lot of money.
5: Um, I went to, you know, the public schools in Providence where I grew up, Providence, Rhode Island, were atrocious. Mm -hmm. We had the first metal detectors in the country, et cetera. So we all went to private school. And so my dad put six kids through private school, college, and in some cases, grad school. And so when his youngest said, you know, decided he wanted to tell jokes in a basement in front of drunks, not a big proud moment for a father. So, and I knew that. So I kept it from him and I told him I was going to take the LSATs and go to law school. I just said, you know, I want to get some things out of my system, which was stand up and it never got out of my system. And then one of his nurses at the hospital saw me at a club in Providence at an open mic night and ratted me out. Uh, she didn't know I was keeping it from him. So, um, he, uh, we were having dinner one night uh, in Providence. And uh, after the end of dinner, he said, uh, so you're going to go tell your jokes tonight. And I went, Oh God. You
4: know,
5: the good thing, Adam, is I have one older brother who's kind of a little bit of a waste of sperm. And so he (laughs) kept going back to my parents for money and for, you know, favors and everything. And I've never done that. So my dad gave me a little slack, you know, gave me a little room to kind of spread my wings in comedy and didn't, didn't stomp on my buzz. Like I thought he would, he was actually surprisingly supportive and uh-huh. uh, right all the way to the end. He was very, very cool about it.
1: That, that, that's good. The, the one night he's home for dinner was the night that the night after the lady saw you.
5: Yeah. Horrible. Yeah. And he busted me. He goes, and then he was, he hired me for my, one of my first gigs was the new England neurosurgical Medo- medical society had a dinner uh-huh. and he hired me to tell jokes. And I'm telling you, it was the worst gig ever. <laughs> I burned in hell. And he never said anything about it except he paid me. That was it. So <laughs> it was the worst. Wait, okay. so dinner exactly when I took the stage. As you know, no one laughs with a mouthful of prime oh. rib. And I sucked. You know, add all that together. It was just a disaster. It was a dumpster fire. And oh. he was very supportive. He said, that's all right, here you earn your money. Take your money. <laughs> and uh, that was it I embarrassed him in front of all of his colleagues and he never said anything about it he was very oh. cool
1: oh god that's well doctor okay I, I did I did a, a gig for uh, cancer doctors uh, in Florida at the Fountain Blue Hotel and nice. we do, when we do corporate games, they're away games, you know, right? you're playing an away game and they don't know what they're doing. So the guy's on stage and he's got slides behind him and there's two cells up there and he's talking about whatever the hell he's talking about, it's a big auditorium, he's talking about and everything, and he goes, and he, he wraps it up, he goes, uh, I want to thank everyone for coming, we have to be vigilant because there is no cure, our comic is Adam Ferrara. And he walked <laughs> off stage. <laughs> there is no cure, Adam Ferrara. Yeah." <laughs> that's perfect and he left, everything everything out of that he left the slides up there's two slides behind me <laughs> i picked up the mic stand and i just pointed i went benign malignant benign <laughs> malignant nothing <laughs> been there done yeah. that yeah but my dad sir. wasn't in
5: the audience god bless you oh yeah that was oof, that was brutal
1: but i needed the money and he gave me a gig and i took it Good for you. I was not ready for it. Now, what about when he saw you on TV? Did did his attitude change? or You know, for the first
5: 10 years, uh, he had no idea what I did. Because, you know, you and I started around the same time. Mm-hmm. So the first things we did were like Comedy Central when it was before it merged with Ha. And, yeah. um, you know, uh, MTV and stuff like that. That's not in his wheelhouse. This is mm-hmm. a guy who was served in World War II. He was, you know, that kind of an old... Fuddy duddy. So when I finally did the Tonight Show, he realized that okay, maybe this isn't just a hobby. Uh, you know, maybe he doesn't because he'd go golfing with his buddies, and they'd all talk about their son, the you know hedge fund manager, and the surgeon, and the lawyer. And he'd say, yeah, my son, I think he's telling jokes tonight in Lemonstone, Massachusetts, or something. So he could never really brag about that. Uh, and so when I finally did the Tonight Show, he was like, okay, maybe he's not the waves of sperm that his older brother is. And, and- <laughs>
1: And how did he feel when when you... We get, listen, I'm a comic, and I'm going to marry a comic. Uh, he loves Carrie. Well, loved. He loved Carrie, and mm-hmm.
5: Carrie really won them over, uh, both my parents and, and my siblings and everything, and she's actually more liked than I am in my family. So that was an easy sell. Uh,
1: that's good. Cool. yeah, because my, my father passed away, too, and he he loved my, my, wife, my wife. That my makes wife.
5: it so much easier. Uh, that, I have friends that don't have that luxury, Adam. I have friends that, uh, you know, have wives that, or like, you know, it just do not get along with the in-laws at all for whatever reason. And it's just, it makes life really difficult. It, it, yeah. And so the fact that I get along really well with my in-laws and she gets along really well with my family it just makes it so much easier.
1: Yeah, and, and and for my father too. Like I got I got an apartment in the city. My my dad was out on Long Island. My dad does kitchens and bathrooms and reads. That's what he does for a living, right? So I needed some work done in my apartment, you know. And I said, uh, and then I said, Pop, can you come in and look? He goes, Ah, you know, traffic with the city, you know, it's a pain in the ass, you know. And then my wife goes up to him, Dad, is it possible maybe you can come in and look at this? I don't know how to. How about Thursday?
5: Can I come in Thursday? <laughs> does Thursday work for you? Well, now you know where you are in the pecking order. That's nice. Oh.
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm done. I, I knew this. This is one of my, my memories of my dad. I, I took him to, uh, to chemo for the first time I took him to chemo and I hooked him up. And I, I got a movie he likes and I was sat and watching on the computer with him. And as they're hooking him up, uh, the nurse leaves and I look at him, I go, Pop, I'm going to marry Alex. And my father was this big man. He looked at me, he goes, if you don't, I will. <laughs> wow. Yeah. That is a, that's a rave endorsement from your yeah. father. Yeah. So, so I won. So, oh,
5: great. I'm you were this, there with him uh, when he was, uh, you know, battling cancer. That was very nice of you to go and spend some time with him, and uh, you know, try to take his mind off the fact that they were putting chemicals and radiation in his body by showing him a movie. That's that's uh, above uh, and
1: there, We were there for the whole ride, man. We were there for the whole ride. And
5: uh, cancer is a scourge. I mean, yeah. I, you know, we do a lot of these benefits all the time for these uh, American Cancer Society and all these other things. The uh, Susan Komen it's. I just did one a couple of weeks ago and I, I got it, you know, what a horrible, horrible plague that is on our country,
1: on the yeah. world. Yeah. But you know, when we do the benefits, the one thing, the one thing I will tell anybody listening, if you write your own intro, cause they don't know how to bring you up. No. <laughs> there is no cure.
5: Adam Farrar, everybody.
1: Hey. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I did a cancer thing a lot. Oh, so, okay. So when my dad was near the end, right? He uh he's got the tubes in him, Tommy, and he's like, you know, maybe I'll, I want you to take me to the bank. I want to get a loan before I go. I go, Pop, they're not going to give you a loan. He goes, why? I can I can hold it together enough to get a license. Pop, they're not going to give you a loan. They're not going <laughs> to give you a loan. Look at you. You weigh four pounds. They're not going to give you a loan, and they're going to make me co-sign. Now I'm on the hook for it. He goes, all right, <laughs> what if I buy a car? I go, you can't i loved it he wanted to scam him at the end that's good yeah, he's, like, he's like he's like look he can't take it. i'm leaving it for you you can't take it with you he's like you ever see a hearse pulling a trailer no so <laughs> words of wisdom from dad that's yeah. great yeah he was a good guy tommy thank you so much for doing this it's been a long time since we've seen each other i forgot we met do we meet in the city or did i meet You know what?
5: You came out of the greatest comedy stable on the planet, which is Long Island. And people Mm. don't realize this. I used to be a homer because I came out of Boston and I used to think we had Jay Leno, Stephen Wright, Dennis Leary. Uh, Most recently, Rogan came out of here, uh, Louis C.K., Dane Cook. We had some guys, Billy Burr came out of Boston. They were pretty good. And I used to think, wow, that's the best comedy town. And then someone humiliated me by rattling off the Long Island guys. And it's not Manhattan. It's Long Island. Mm-hmm. And Long Island has, you know, obviously you got Ray Romano, you got you, you got uh, uh, Seinfeld, Chris Rock, uh, uh, who else? Uh, Rosie O'Donnell. It's unbelievable the amount. Jackie the Joke Man. Monetarily, you got uh, the King of Queens. Those two guys, just just Seinfeld and um, and Ray Romano, their development deals, their syndication deals, as you know, were $600 million each, you yeah. know. Boston guys may be okay. No one's going to touch the Long Island pedigree, and I'm leaving out a billion guys. I don't know what it is in the water and Long Island, but that is some funny, funny water. And you guys all came out of that stable and went on to conquer the comedy world. And I, it it humiliates us as Boston. <laughs> used to think we were the big swinging dicks. You know, how we're, we're the best comedy town in the world. And then it might have been Joey Cola. Somebody said, oh, no, no, my friend. And then rattled off the list of guys who started,
1: not in Manhattan, mm. but on Long Island. And it is daunting. It is so wow.
3: impressive.
1: Oh, thanks, pal. Yeah, it's, Long Island was a tough. We used to call um, the guys in the city the city comics. We watched them come out to Long Island and die because they can't. <laughs> what happens is Long Island? It's a show, you know. It's you. You should. When you, I started doing comedy on Long, when I started doing it, you needed a mic and you needed a whip and a chair. It was lion tamer comedy. Yeah. You had to be funny, otherwise they would kill you. So the city comics would come up and they we Tonight Show comics suit tie stand in front of it, you know. Set up punchline segue set up punchline maybe you get two or three of those out before you know the wolves start howling before the crowd turned on them
5: horribly. yeah, yeah we used to, same thing with New York when the New York guys would come up to Boston, the Boston club owners would try to bury them. They put on Don Gavin in the middle yeah. in front of Lori Keitlinger or somebody you know they yeah. put on some really great and high energy in the middle and have the, the you know the kind of the uh, monologist meek, headliner from New York come up and just die a horrible death at mm-hmm. Nick's Comedy Stop or the Comedy Connection, and they do it on purpose. And yeah. then the, their agent would call and say, hey, can we get back in that club? Well, last time your guy died in front of my audience, so yeah. uh, you know, I, I can only pay half this time. Yeah. So it was definitely a, a crappy you know, business move, but it was hysterical to watch. It was such a closed shop, and we were so cocky until someone rattled off the Long Island guys, and we were like, okay, we yield. But, uh, man, what a stable you came out of.
1: Yeah, yeah, it was it was a fun place, a fun place to uh, to grow up. Arguably the best. Yeah, I'm happy that you guys are doing so well because uh, I always liked you, my friend. It was always always right cool.
5: back at you, buddy. On the mutual admiration society. Thanks for having me on.
1: Best to you and the family. Let's laugh again soon. All right. We'll do that.
5: I appreciate it, Adam. Take good care. Hey everybody, I'm Tom Cotter from America's Got Talent, and that was 30 minutes that I'll never get back. But you know what? It was time well spent.
1: I felt so bad. The dog barked and I was trying not to laugh when he flipped out. (laughs) You prick. I know you hit a nerve. I I didn't hit a nerve. Lulu hit a nerve. (laughs) It's nice to know at least my dog has timing too. So that's pretty good. Pretty good.
4: (laughs) Um, Love Tom. That was really fun. Really fun. But he talked about something that I, you know, we haven't talked about as a group that I'm kind of curious about. Talked about working. With his wife, Mm -hmm. you know, on creative projects. He's a fellow comic. You guys work together. Yeah. And like, (laughs) there's no days off. Mm -hmm. That's all I have to say. Basically,
1: no days off. I'm my wife's Belichick.
2: (laughs) It's like, I hear him coming up the stairs. Okay, what does he want now?
1: Yeah.
4: Oh, shit. He doesn't stop. (laughs) Yeah. It's like a machine. But like, honestly, like, like, because I'd like to have like buffer zones between yeah. like professional and personal. Mm. You know, I like to have like- Doesn't work. No. <laughs> no, no, no Chinese
2: wall, nothing. Okay. No,
1: well, no, well, no. Well, well, you know, you have to take some responsibility for this too, young lady. You know why we work so hard is because you're, you're fancy. She like Mark, she likes furniture from the stores. Can you imagine? Woo <laughs> we look at that, came from a store. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Miss Fancy Pants. <laughs> what do you think those amazon boxes santa claus is driving that truck huh? <laughs>
2: what is it called when
4: uh you're forced to do something
1: marriage that's what it's called
4: <laughs> <laughs> oh man but like i i, I mean i guess because there, there has to be like you guys know each other so well so there's yeah. got to be good give and take with that and and you guys both love each other so like yeah the, the end goal has got to be there together right it's got to be kind of cool that you You know, I mean, listen, this is what John Lennon said about wanting to be with Yoko all the time. Mm. And no, Alex, I'm not comparing you to Yoko Ono. I don't mind. I like her. Mm. She's cool. Okay, she's cool. But I know, like, a lot of people are like, when you reference Yoko, they're like, oh, no, not not her. But... Like he said, I want her to be around because I at the end of the day, I don't want to tell her about what my day was. I want her to experience it with me. I want us to be there together for all of that. so I've always kind of loved that.
2: I okay. totally get that I to- oh. in fact i I love that part too. you're enjoying life as it as it rolls mm-hmm. right but there's times when I want to enjoy my life in a tub or watching a movie without like, can you post this
0: mm. <laughs>
1: Okay. Well, we'll just, in all fairness, Yoko did introduce John to heroin, so-
2: I didn't- ind- What? what have I introduced
1: you to? That's terrible. The need for heroin. You're killing me. <laughs>
2: I'm the one saying, uh, Adam, try gummy.
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah. Can you, can you <laughs> just smoke relax a joint a bit. for me? Just for me and our marriage. Yeah. <laughs> can you just go get high now? Honey, it's 10 o'clock in the morning. Uh, uh, is it that late? Really? <laughs> <laughs> okay, I have a very strong work ethic. and uh, <laughs> I You do. Yeah. You do.
4: You don't know the work. The, and because of your profession and just sort of how you're wired, like the idea of like downtime for you, downtime for you is when you can work on something else. Yeah, Like yeah, a, I agree. Another, another project,
2: which which is good and bad.
1: It, it's basic. It's more bad now. I got to be honest with you. I'm exhausted, <laughs> and I don't feel like I'm getting anywhere.
2: You're not the kind of person who just lays on the couch. No, you kind of like, oh, I'm just going to take a little nap because I woke up at five thirty a.m. to do a radio show. Yeah. Then you wake up like, oh, I got to get to work. Yeah. Yeah,
1: yeah. I, it's 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 not it's not healthy. It's, like, it's one of the things. And the the thing I was telling um Tom that I noticed is you're crazy. I'm crazy. We can't be crazy at the same time. But sometimes we are. Yeah, but the problem is my crazy doesn't shut off. That's the problem. So there's never <laughs> there's never room for her to be crazy. Actually, oh. my crazy subsides when I see her crazy. I'm like, oh, okay. I got it. I can't. I got to <laughs> I Go can't off. keep yeah. spinning now. <laughs> 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 yeah and i and here, the other thing with, with my wife's crazy is i want to solve her crazy so when you're crying because the birds aren't showing up because it's winter but you think the seed is poison i'm like i don't I know,
2: didn't say that i just i
1: said where's the cats or where's that yeah which i don't remember having cats so i don't know if these cats only live in her head <laughs> do we have cats apparently we, now we have cats we We're, do
2: we, we have um some neighborhood yeah. cats who come to our yard
1: Oh, uh, we I have, love we that. have cats in the yard? Yes. Good. Keep them in the yard. I need any more freaking animals in the house. <laughs> no, they like the outdoors. Good. Well, so now we have outdoor cats. This, see, this is something I just learned here on this podcast. <laughs> we have outdoor cats, we also have raccoons. That I heard. They run across the roof. That yeah. I, I know when the raccoons are running across mm-hmm. the roof. Word is spreading around the neighborhood. Okay?
4: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Like, hey, did you hear about the Ferraris Place? They always got great food in the trash can. All right, come on yeah. over here,
1: Jimmy. Let's go do it. She's sweet. He's nuts. But he's not there all the time. <laughs> it's just I come home and I'm in the way. I've noticed that. <laughs> That's a great bargain, though. I love that.
4: <clears throat> Excuse me. When you said that, like... We can both be crazy, but just not at the same time. That that feels like one of those marriage packs that you're like, like that. That's how you get through. And I say this as the guy who's not married, has never been married, more than likely never will be married. So I love I love the glimpse into how. These wonderful relationships work. And I and I do believe, because I've seen you guys a lot. I know you guys so well. You guys are two of my closest friends. Mm -hmm. I see this beautiful relationship and I love to know the nuts and bolts of of how it works, you know?
2: Mark, seriously, who do you think has to be uh the one not crazy most of the time?
4: It's gotta be you, right? (laughs)
2: Yes. It's gotta be you. (laughs) It's okay, Adam. Do not throw the computer. It's okay, Adam. It's right here, Adam. It's okay, Adam, I'll find it. Okay, okay. It's okay, Adam, here it is.
1: Okay, all right, but she, she's not wrong, but. <laughs> at least, know. at, at least, least she knows the crazy, I'm constant crazy. When her crazy spikes, it's a tsunami. It is like,
2: <laughs> it's well,
1: like just a tidal wave of, of sudden crazy. Like, I, you can see my crazy coming. right. right. This crazy <laughs> comes out of nowhere.
4: <laughs> But that's like one of those. Like my dad was like that. Like my dad never yelled. But when my dad yelled, you mm-hmm. like, oh shit. I'm, okay, we better stop whatever the hell we're doing because now it's real and now it's serious. So right. you no, know, speak softly. Carry that big stick, and then when you swing it, you know it's the real deal. Mm. Yeah, I'm. I'm his dad. Yeah. I think daddy. I think I'm your daddy. Okay. I'm your daddy. No, she just snaps. <laughs> All right, well, see, you guys obviously have a great working relationship, and I love that. Mm-hmm. I can, you know, all, all kidding aside, I do We love can it.
2: laugh at each other.
4: Yeah. And that's, it's important. And, you know, and it wasn't, it's not just that he, you know, works with his, the Tom, you know, works with his wife. You know, that story about getting that gig from his dad. And, mm. you know, you've worked for your dad. I've worked for my dad. Alex, I don't know if you ever worked for your dad on any level. Like, that's a whole different thing, too. It's like, because that's a different dynamic than someone you're married to or somebody you're in a relationship with. It's kind of, you know, living up to your dad's expectations is tough. And I love that he totally died on stage. Yeah. And his dad just was like, "Yeah, listen, you came to do a job. You did the job. Here's your dough. I'm not pissed at you. I'm not going to give you shit about it. Yeah. That was a really cool moment, I thought.
1: Yeah, Here's the money. Uh, I'm going to have to, you know, endure this at the golf course. But here, take the cash. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. And I like, yeah. The, I like the fact that, you know, he, he never asked his father for a dime. That's what I like because I, I never asked my dad for anything. I just, he gave me permission to go, and I was fortunate enough not to have to, to lean on him and make my own way. So that's kind of a source of pride. Also, it's a lot of luck, baby, you know. Yeah.
4: Yeah, it is. You know, and and it, it's uh, listen, I can relate with, uh, you know, he's like trying to hide his career from his dad. Uh-huh. His dad was like, I sent you to these schools, you know, and whatever, uh, you know, and I, I expect more out of you than to be a comedian, you know? Right. And why do you guys,
1: to bro- why do you gotta what? say it like that?
4: <laughs> it did kind of sound bad. Yeah. Sorry. No, I'm just, I'm am I'm channeling the father. I am you know how to <laughs> Go profession. on. Keep digging uh, the whole
1: stern. <laughs> but well, dad, if we thought about it a long in- time,
2: he's kind of right.
4: My mm-hmm. dad <laughs> when I got into radio and broadcasting, my dad was like, Are you kidding me? And he wasn't happy about it for a long time until he came and saw me do a show with Tony one time, and then it all turned around. Now he's proud and he loves it. But like, like turning, making that turn, and doing something that you know is, is sort of like outside what the family thought you should be doing. Mm-hmm. I, I I have nothing but admiration for him. Mm-hmm. I really
1: do.
2: Yeah, it's like um, he got a certain marker that his dad
1: said, "Okay, I get it." Well, I don't think he got the markers. It's just the, the other brother was such a screw-up asking him for money. He's like, well, I look, I'm look, i not him. How's that? That's true. <laughs> yeah, I ain't that guy. Yeah, yeah. hey, Dad, look at me. Yep. Yeah, and I'm not him, and we all got to put on a jacket for Sunday dinner. That. Which <laughs> you I, love that.
2: I like that. I think tradition is very good. We have a tradition, a tradition every
1: Sunday. I put on the game, and I scream, and I yell. How you uh-huh. count on it? Like, like clockwork.
2: But I can see it sounds like um, the mom wanted to carry on a tradition. Mm-hmm. They she probably did it in, in her family.
4: Right. hmm. I know my family, you know, maybe it's a New England thing. I don't know. I don't know how you guys when you guys came up. I mean, we tried that, you know, it was like sit around the table and put something nice on it. it we were just animals though. me. and my <laughs> <laughs> you No, know, it, it didn't really work. But I, but now I look back and I'm like, that was nice. That was mm-hmm. they were just we we're trying to be nice and do something sort of civilized. And, the, and we were much more formal. Like and it was okay. Mm-hmm. Like people dressed nicely when they went outside of the house. I was just on a plane this past weekend. People were literally on the plane in pajamas and slippers. And I was
1: like, What the fuck is going on? Is this where that,
4: we're at now? Is this I, like I just don't
1: give a shit. At least you got the slippers. You know how many times there's people taking their shoes off and there's no socks? <laughs> oh, yeah, no. I'm, and they're, they're bringing support animals. I'm like, you know, she, maybe flying's too much for you. If you need an animal to get through this, maybe you should take the bus. I don't mind the animal part, but. I, I do. It's not an arc.
2: <laughs> I, I don't mind the animals so much because hmm. I would rather have them up in the cabin rather than below right. the cabin. But when they take their, sh- their socks, their yeah. shoes and socks off yeah. and then put their foot rested. Yeah.
4: Can't, no, you can't. That's, that should be, I'm sorry, we're letting you out of the plane right now at 27,000 feet. We don't care. Yeah. Like you should never allow to be do that. And people, they just don't care. I, I, yeah, Listen, I, I love modern society. I love everything that we get to do. But would it kill people to put a collared shirt on every once in a while? All
1: right, Mark's being a bit of a pain in the ass right now. <laughs> Yeah. Right. Everyone, that music's too loud. Get off my damn lawn, wow. you kids.
2: There is something to that tradition, being
1: civilized. I'll take civilized. I don't want to see your feet. Let's start there. I don't care <laughs> about your collar. Yeah. I just don't. I don't want to see your feet. I don't want to see or smell your feet.
4: <laughs> you know what? Agreed. That's the starting point. Let's just start there. <laughs> hey, you know what? You know what? You Long Islanders, you're a Long Island kid. You guys are pretty funny. You guys really are. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He brought that I, up too. I I had to agree with that. By the way, I didn't realize I looked this up during the interview. He went to Denison. He's a fellow Denison grad with me. Uh-huh. I love that. He's like six years ahead of me, so we weren't there at the same time. But I love that. And so I have this bond with him, and he's a New England kid. He went to... He was from Providence, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I want to agree with him about like how great Boston and New England comedians are, but when you started listing off all <laughs> Long Island comedians, I'm like okay that's a really good point. I think Long Island is the champion and like first second and third place and then it's like everybody else I mean who who who, who do we list there was it I mean it's you and
1: you're uh, you know that, I mean, yeah we're starting with me that <laughs> Seinfeld guy <laughs>
4: Chris, that, Chris Rock. that, that Eddie Murphy
1: like, dude yeah close second
4: <laughs> wait a minute Eddie oh I did yeah, I Eddie was from Rose- about that Eddie was from Roosevelt <laughs> Eddie Murphy yeah that's came over right there yeah. And by the way, it's not just comedians. There's a guy I work with, people might know him, Anthony Irwin Kornheiser, yep. another Long Island guy. He's pretty talented. Sports dude, John McEnroe, yep. another another one. It's like, mm. what the hell is in the water there?
1: Joey Buttafuco, huh?
2: <laughs> There's always one, Adam. It's-
1: well, listen, it's, it's it's all about how you want to present yourself, and all you can do in the world is present yourself how you want to be presented, and you have no control how other people see you. So I apologize to, to Phil that the world sees him as Captain Misery, but <laughs> he earned it. It's all going to shit. I know. <laughs> I want to thank my pal Tom Cotter. Uh, he's a very funny dude check him out if you get a chance to see him live honey if they want to get a hold of us where do they go the Adam Farrar at gmail thank you guys so much uh, the show is growing please uh, leave a review because that always helps us with our friend Mr.
2: Algorithm.
1: and we're all in this together brothers and sisters so please share the road and remember that life is hard so you guys take it easy on yourself the pot has ended go in peace that only got got the rattling louder he's like a, he, he's like he's like a giant king cobra now of misery. Yeah, of misery. He's a king cobra
0: of misery. Phil Tag, the insufferable serpent. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because you know if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality,